I'm Ruthie, host of Out There, here on Valley Free Radio. Tune in for stories from the streets and paths of Northampton and beyond, Fridays from 4 to 5 p.m. Get out if you can, but if you can't get out, tune in. We don't care if we live out of date. We don't care if we live And welcome to Out There. It indeed is Friday, January 20, no, 19th. January 19th. Hey, tomorrow is my birthday. Now that I mention it, actually, I was aware that tomorrow was my birthday because tomorrow is my 50th birthday. And I feel like I'm ready for a nap. <laughs> so I haven't planned any party or anything. Um, maybe when the weather's warmer and we can have something outside and people hanging out and, and all that. Oh, maybe Casey's going to make me a carrot cake for my birthday. <clears throat> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You're listening to Out There. And for today's show here on Valley Free Radio, you know, my promo said I had stories from the streets and paths of Northampton, but I guess I have some. Usually they're just kind of stories from my head. All right, I'm talking now. My new material for today that's recorded is a little clip, six-minute clip from the bike lab on a cold December day, the Saturday Bike Repair Clinic, which we usually do it outside if it's not precipitating and it's if it's above like 25 or something. So I got a little clip with Kale and Adele and me from Bike Lab from a couple weeks ago. And so... Yesterday, I don't know if I mentioned this on Out There yet, but yesterday, January 18th, was a Valley Voices story slam, and I I don't know when I heard about Valley Voices, probably, you know, doing downtown trash or going through downtown. I see it on the marquee at the Academy of Music where they mentioned the Valley Voices story slam, and at some point I looked online at the podcast and listened to some stories. It was really nice to hear local people telling uh, telling about their lives and and typically local stories, and um, I'm always thinking of stories. So in October, uh, they had a topic. So they had a they have a topic. If you go if you go to Valley Voices, I don't know the website, but look it up. New England Public Media sponsors it, and every couple months, I think they have a different prompt topic. And the prompt in October, what was it? I think it was Who Done It. And so, if you want to, if you have a story idea and you want to submit it f- to tell at the Valley Voices Story Slam, then you call the number on the website and you leave a recorded message with your name and contact information and the first line of your story. And they decide which stories which people which proposals to accept just based on that first line so I submitted something in October and and didn't hear back Um, and then in December there was another round the topic was missed connection Um, oh by the way I will tell you the line that I submitted in October for whodunit the line was something like the war on drugs was mostly a theoretical thing to me until one December night asleep naked in my friend's apartment or something like that. They didn't go for that line. Probably it was too political right off the rip. <laughs> but anyway, so so I learned from that. And in December, the topic was misconnection, misconnections. And I submitted a line that said, he drives a truck for USA Waste. I ride a bike for pedal people. And my line got accepted. So at, so then I got an email in late December saying it had been accepted. It's a funny thing because I called and left the, the, the line in like the first week of December. And I thought the call for submissions, I thought that the, they would decide on which story proposals to accept by like Christmas. So I think it was like the 27th of January that morning. I was doing trash and recycling and I was like, oh, might as well recycle all these notes. Uh, and so I, I recycled them all that day. And then that evening I got the email from Valley Voices saying, we've accepted your proposal. Get your story prepared. <laughs> um, they had a storytelling workshop for the 10 people whose proposals they had accepted 
uh, on January 6th at the Academy of Music. It was like a two-hour workshop that I went to and met the other storytellers. And uh, that was that was cool. But I was very unprepared for that because they did not tell us going into the workshop or the yeah, the workshop that we would be allowed no notes. And at that point, my, my, my story wasn't really like a storyline kind of story. It was more like a series of anecdotes that I had to figure out how to assemble and which ones to include or not include. And you're only allowed five minutes. You're only allowed five minutes. So I had to figure out which ones would build my case and which ones were mm, maybe interesting but not building the case. <laughs> so, yeah, so then I, I told the story with the other storytellers. Last night, it was this was at the Drake in Amherst last night. It was really fun to hear other people's stories. So you may be wondering if I'm going to tell the story on my radio show today. Well, I guess so, though I haven't practiced it since last night, and I had been practicing it like many, many times a day. One of the ways that I would practice it. See, I was afraid that I was going to get stage fright and just my mind would go blank. And so I really had to practice and rehearse a lot. And so what I would do at home is we have a floor lamp, you know, that kind of lamp, floor lamp where the, the it has like the arms that come up, the arms that sort of like the, what do you call it? They're kind of like a hose, you know, they're flexible. That's it, flexible arms. And then at the top of the flexible arm is the light bulb that's sort of pointing straight up like it's coming out of an ice cream cone. So to practice, I would grab the, the, the light, the head, like light bulb, whatever that is, shield, shade, and pivot it my way and turn it on so that light was shining right in my face. And I'm glad I practiced that because at the Drake, when we did mic checks before the show, oh my gosh, the lights in our eyes were crazy. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could barely see the, the, the audience. I could see people a little bit, but it was pretty bright. So I'm glad I practiced being blinded. Now, where was I? So, I guess I'll tell the story. So, before I tell the story, I will also mention that, so my friend who drives a truck for USA Waste, who I see around town, when I heard that my proposal had been accepted, I was like, oh shoot, I should, I should make sure it's okay with him. Uh, I didn't have his number, but I knew where he lived. So, my friend Shira and I, on New Year's Day, Bike to his house. He wasn't home, but we left a note on his door. I left a note, a pretty long note, explaining the whole thing about the story slam. And I'm going to tell a story about you. Here's my number. Call me if you got anything to say. <laughs> that was kind of how I blackmailed him to get his number. <laughs> but he texted me and said, what does this whole thing involve? <laughs> and I texted him back and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to anonymize it. So now I'm not worried about saying anything I shouldn't. <laughs> but I think he knew I was concocting a story about him but he, he, he in the last couple of weeks since I had told him on the first of January I was working on it until now and I've seen him around a little bit and I got a friendly honk from him on the passing on the street him in the garbage truck okay so here's the story <laughs> um oh hey do you want to hear about my friend Waldo <laughs> He drives a truck for USA Waste, and I ride a bike for pedal people. So we spend our days going around in circles, collecting everything that Northampton and Western Massachusetts throws away. And if we're lucky, we'll run into each other. <laughs> so like, where does all the trash go? Well, maybe to a landfill 300 miles northwest, or to an incinerator, and where it's incinerated into all the air that we breathe well the first stop for a lot of it is valley recycling halfway between northampton and east hampton on a road that was not built for cyclists going five miles an hour hauling 300 pounds of trash no it was built for cars and trucks going 55 miles an hour so when i'm headed out to the valley with my load and i'm trying to make that left turn across the rumble strip and all that traffic and I look over my shoulder to see if traffic's clear and there's a garbage truck coming. But they're slowing down. They're also turning left into valley. They're slowing down and the driver is waving me in front of him. Thanks, Waldo. You could be saving my life. 
I don't remember when we really started to notice each other, but I know one day I was on the rail trail and I got to talking to another cyclist who looked vaguely familiar. And he says, you know me, I see you all the time when I'm driving the garbage truck. I was like, oh, you're that guy. <laughs> he said, yeah, I love to ride a bike. A lot of drivers, they drive all day, go home, eat, watch TV, but I like to take care of my body. I can see that, I said. <laughs> So I started keeping an eye out for him, not just when I was working, but also after hours. And I noticed that he would often go to the weekly concert in the park. And I'd often go to the weekly concert in the park. I'd ride up and he'd be there sitting on his bike, holding on to a little maple tree. And, I, and uh, I'd ride up, he'd give me that special smile and we'd straddle our bikes and talk trash. I'd say, yeah, I was riding today. Oh, I was top heavy, and I hit the pothole in the middle of Route 9, and it flipped my load. <laughs> and he'd say, oh, yeah, one of our drivers, they were emptying a dumpster. They didn't realize the dumpster was smoking till it was in the back of the truck, and then the whole back of the truck was smoking, and they had to eject the entire load in the middle of the parking lot and call the fire department. <laughs> I'd ask him questions like, so how many customers can you pick up in a day? And how far do you go? And like, Pedal People's a worker cooperative. What's the power structure like? USA Waste. And is it hard on your body? And does seeing all the stuff being thrown away ever get you down? Sometimes I'd be riding on South Street, dragging the weight of the trashed world behind me i'd be cussing and fussing consumerism and capitalism and colonial colonialism imperialism and materialism and just waste 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 so i'm an artisanal trash collector so what it's one garbage truck after another oh hey waldo people you can't help but love them in August, I should say, this whole thing's been going on for maybe three years. I move real slow. But in August, I found out what street he lived on. And I happened to be walking a dog down that street. And there he was, out tending his tomatoes. I walk up, and we're petting the dog together. We're petting the dog together. Our hands are like 10 inches apart. <laughs> and then he gives me a cherry tomato. And he takes me onto his back porch and shows me his snake plant a few months after that it was october it was um, time for the halloween rag shag parade and i had suffered a deep loss a few days before that but i went to the parade i just wanted to be surrounded by friends and community love maybe i would see a special friend <laughs> so we all fill the streets in our costumes and walk down Main Street in Florence for the parade. And then at the end, I, I, I didn't see them. And at the end, people were breaking off. It was dark. People were going trick-or-treating and stuff. And then on the edge of the darkness, I saw a couple guys. I walk over. It's him. I was like, hey, Waldo. He says, oh, hey, how you doing? And I said, uh, my friend just died. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. And he gives me a hug. I got my hug. Someone had to die for it to happen. Hey, you want to hear about my friend who drives a fire truck? <laughs> All right. The end. Thanks for listening. This is Out There on Valley Free Radio. That was a story that me, your host, Ruthie, gave at uh, the Valley Voices Story Slam last night. Oh, and guess what? <laughs> guess what? I got third place, which means that I get to tell another story at the Academy of Music on April 13th because the top, the, the top three get to tell another story. And I was so, so excited last night. I was so excited. I have not been that excited in a long time. I really did not expect to, I did not expect to get in the top three. And I wasn't trying to get in the top three. Uh, I had got some advice about my story, about not telling it exactly like I told it. But I said, you know what? I'm not trying to tell a story people like. I'm trying to tell my story. So I'm glad I told my story. And 
So yeah, I'm excited. On April 13th at the Academy of Music, there will be lots of the the people that were voted the two stories were liked the most by the audience. They'll be telling stories again, kind of like a best of. And I don't think I'll tell the same story. I think I'll tell a different story, and I don't know which one. I don't know what I'll come up with between now and then. It may be something exciting that happens to me between now and then. And, oh, that's the top three storytellers. They're chosen by audience votes at the end of the night. And I was, so the, the three of us that had that got chosen the top three, two of us told our stories, and we were the ninth and the tenth people to tell our stories. There were ten people total, and I was the ninth person, and, and, and the other person was the final storyteller. And I'm really curious, like, maybe the audience can only remember like the last couple stories after all the stories are told maybe maybe there's patterns maybe they just vote for the last ones that they remember anyway um here's a story kind of story song from i think it's randy no this one i was looking for randy travis yeah this is um randy travis farmer and a teacher, a hooker and a preacher, riding on a midnight bus bound for Mexico. One was headed for vacation, one for higher education, and two of them were searching for lost souls. That driver never ever saw the stop sign. Eighteen-wheelers can't stop on a dime There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows I guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go that farmer left the harvest, a home in 80 acres. The faith and love for growing things in his young son's heart. And that teacher left her wisdom in the minds of lots of children. And did her best to give them all a better start. And that preacher whispered, can't you see the promised land? As he lay his blood-stained Bible in that hooker's hand There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows I guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go that's the story that our preacher told last Sunday As he held that blood-stained Bible up for all of us to see He said, bless the farmer and the teacher and the preacher Who gave this Bible to my mama who read it to me There are Three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them, now I guess we know It's not what you take when you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go There are three wooden crosses on the right side of I think that was from, I don't know, 1987 or something like that. I'm not quite sure, but I remember back in the day when people would take the overnight bus to Mexico for vacation. I've done that a bunch. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio, 
WXOJLP 103.3 FM, streaming online at valleyfreeradio.org. I'm Ruthie. I guess before I go to the promised clip, <laughs> the great promised clip, people talking about their hands being cold while at Bike Lab. Well, it's at least his voice is other than mine. But see, we just had a break of someone else's voice, Randy Travis's. So now you get to hear my voice a little bit more before I go back to someone else's voice. Anyway, updates on me and my life. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, I'm going to Kentucky on uh, Monday for the rest of them for like a month, my usual routines. So uh, if you're a regular listener, you can hear some exciting replays for next month. Um, just my usual travels to be with my dad, etc. And I got to go give my knee a vacation. My knee is not feeling so great. Um, people might blame it on all the biking I do. Well, maybe, but but it, it all it all it all came about. It all reached manifested to my awareness one feverish night two years ago, almost two years ago, maybe two years ago to the day, almost. And uh, yeah, I was in Trinidad and I came down with some kind of sickness. And that night with fever and chills, I was lying in bed. This was during COVID times. I was lying in bed. And you know how during COVID times there were always, um, you'd always see these graphs with like the spikes of the COVID rates, the number of hospitalizations or deaths or whatever, always graphs with spikes. And I just remember lying in bed everything hurt. I just felt like I was trying to sleep on one of those graphs of being poked in every little joint and piece of flesh I had. But anyway, I had to pee in the middle of the night. So I got up and when I stepped out of bed, my right knee is like I could barely walk. It was an unfamiliar feeling. It wasn't like I couldn't, it, I don't know where it came from. And then it took like weeks, months, almost um, to go away, kind of when I would walk a lot, it would, it would re-trigger it. Fortunately, biking hasn't, has never been painful, but so it, it like hurt for like a month. I was in Kentucky that month. So, but it was, it was okay by the time I got back to Massachusetts. Um, and then it's kind of hurt off and on. And finally in November, this past November at my physical or wellness check, uh, I told the doctor, I really want to see a physical therapist about my knee or somebody. And so they, I got an appointment for physical therapy in February. And this was November. And the earliest they could get me into physical therapy was February, three months later. And I said, you know what, I'll take any appointment I can get. Even if my knee is better by then, I'm sure something will be hurting in three months. So I can always use an appointment with physical therapy. And then my knee was kind of feeling all right. Till we replaced our garage roof at the beginning of January. I should say we only replaced half of it so far. So now our garage is half metal and half shingles. But the half is metal is not leaking <laughs> like the previous shingles had been leaking. So that's the most important part. Anyway, um, so then like I come down off three days on the roof and my knee is just like something feels a little sore. The next morning I wake up, can barely walk. Uh, that was two weeks ago. So uh, this week, I heard there was a walk-in orthopedic clinic uh, you know, for West Street in Hatfield, where I've been to before for other things. It's, I'm in that system. I'm in their system. <laughs> walk-in. I can barely walk. Roll in. Whatever it is. So I bike out there this week, and I ask the receptionist, hey, is, is, are you having a walk-in clinic? Is that possible? And she said, well, when did you injure your knee? And I was like, um, oh, that's a hard question to answer. I never, you never really like injured it. It just hurts. <laughs> but I re-triggered it a couple of weeks ago. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. You don't qualify for the walk-in clinic. <laughs> um, now, I should say that I have been getting free medical care through the state of Massachusetts for the last bunch of years, and I'm extremely grateful to the taxpayers of Massachusetts and whoever pays for my medical care and to the doctors and all the medical professionals. I'm really grateful. Yeah, yeah, I'm really grateful. 
Um, sometimes I wish medical care wasn't so slow. I wish it was a little bit better. And some places it is, some places it isn't. And that reminds me of a, an article uh, that says, so f- that says, this is heard on All Things Considered. So far, it's a grand decade for billionaires, says a new report. As for the masses, says billionaires, for many of them, times have never been better. Talking about the gap between the rich and the poor. Anyway, my point is, I want some of those billions of dollars to go towards medical care for the masses and go towards my knee. Well, anyway, I'll take a month vacation and I'm sure it'll be fine. Next on out there. Oh, yeah, enough of me talking. Let's go to the Bike Lab clip. That might be some of me talking, too. I hope it's not too much. It is Saturday, December 30th, 2023. It's the last Bike Lab of 2023. Oh, my gosh. Adele, what are you working on today? Uh, I just took apart this wheel hub bearing system. It was really crunchy. And so I took out all the ball bearings, cleaning them off, getting all the little bits of crud out of there, and then I'm going to repack them with grease, and hopefully it'll be smooth. Do you feel confident in what you're doing? I actually do. I mean, I feel confident because I have support. I pretty much know what to do, and Ruthie has been so kind to kind of like, you know, anytime I get stuck in the process or I'm like, should I do this? Do I need to really clean this out really good? Ruthie's like, yeah, you should. (laughs) Uh, How about you, Kale? What are you doing? Well, um, I am, I'm just getting my bike riding again, just needed to flat fix, and, um, but also I learned today the basics of wheel truing with a, with a, tr- a truing stand, and that was really exciting, and I really loved learning that and doing that, uh, thanks, to, thanks to Salem and Adele's help, and, and, uh, How's the weather for you in this December, late December day? <laughs> it's how pretty much how it's been, I'd say, most of the week. Uh, although the temperature has just dropped. It feels like it's gone into the 30s now. Um, it's been um, pretty damp, pretty damp and cool right now. Um, it's not raining on us in this moment, but your bike wheel is wet. The metal's wet. The table's wet. Yeah. The tools are a little wet the tools in the rain. tools are a little wet, yeah. <laughs> And we did catch brief glimpses of the sun. I really miss the sun. <laughs> yeah, I could really use some sun right about now. So how's it working with cold fingers? It's, it's, it can be unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just something that must be done. You have to work with your fingers. Do you, so do you work outside during the winter? Mm, I do. Yeah, I do. I work outside uh, restoring barns, uh, doing timber frame carpentry, and um, try to wear gloves whenever I can. Um, uh, occasionally we'll have a, a fire going warm our hands up by or a uh, electric um, water kettle actually that uh, we can kind of put our hands on and it kind of helps warm up our hands do you mm. feel like the body adjusts like if you expose it to more cold will it sort of acclimate and be able to handle it better either the body or the brain or both <laughs> a mix of a mix of the two um, yeah you definitely get used to it um, Learning how to layer up is mm. kind of the most important thing and uh, never coming with too many layers. I'd say. You can always take them off, but you can, if you're, if you're maxed out, you can't add any more, so. Yeah, it's yeah. Hard, to, hard to mess with those ball bearings with five layers of gloves on. That's for sure, <laughs> yeah. When you're doing the fine, fine handiwork, then it's, nothing can really replace uh, your, your bare hands. Um, yeah, there's those tighter form-fitting gloves, those, those can work. Um, but yeah, if you're doing, you can use some pretty good insulated gloves or even mittens for <laughs> things like frisbee. <laughs> I've seen someone throw some good frisbee yeah, throws yeah. with with some hefty mittens. I think our bare hands are all looking rather purple right now. <laughs> yeah, they're they're lacking circulation. Yeah. I'm trying oh. to keep my core warm so that my hands don't die. Mm-hmm. I've actually been undertaking uh, a training. Um, I'm kind of a, a return that I heard about about six years ago where I'll go outside in the morning and it's almost like a little meditation I go out with uh, a large pan that uh, my feet can fit in like a container that's filled with hot water and then a container for my hands and I'll go out in just a t-shirt 
and underwear. I've heard of this. Yes. Do you have Raynaud's disorder? It, Raynaud's disorder? Yeah, where you... Okay, I've heard this as a treatment for Raynaud's from mm-hmm. a friend. Well, well, I think this is just typically for people that get cold um, yeah. fing, um, fingers and toes yeah. and, and hands and feet. Um, I let my, my core get cold, but, but my extremities stay warm in the hot water. And I'll stay out there for maybe 10, 15 minutes. Huh. And um, I'm not sure if it's working. I have a, so I have a friend who has Raynaud's, which is like essentially very poor circulation. Oh, I know. And, hands and, <laughs> and he did this, I guess, like 20 years ago. And he said it really, really helped. Oh, great. Huh. And How much did he have And he said to do it's it? wearing off. I don't know. I feel like he said he had to do it every day for like a few weeks. So you sit with little clothing outside in the cold and put your hands and feet in hot water. Yeah, so you're, you're, I don't know, are you tricking your body that when you're, to, that it's okay to send blood to your hands and feet when your core is cold, Mm -hmm. maybe? Yeah. Uh, Because I think the problem is, is that your butt, when you have Raynaud's, your circulation, I don't know for sure, but. So it's kind of just an extreme version of that, of Raynaud's. Never well, heard of it. Huh. Yeah, I'm someone who chronically runs cold, and I thought it was impossible for my body to run warm, but then I hit menopause and started having hot flashes, and I'm like, how can I possibly be warm with it? I'm warm in situations temporarily that I would never be before, and I was like, oh, my body can do this if it gets the right message. It's possible. It's, yeah. it's possible. It's That's hormonally so or, or whatever, the, the things that regulate your body temperature, they can do it. You just have to figure out how to send the message so you're saying menopause was awesome yes <laughs> yes <laughs> that's great to hear yeah. that's something for me to look forward to yes you're listening to out there on valley free radio i'm ruthie that was interviews with adele paquin and kale israel and there will be bike lab tomorrow uh tomorrow that would be January 20th. You want to learn to fix your bike? How to keep it tuned up so it's there for you when you need it? Or maybe you know already, but you just need to borrow a bike-specific tool that you don't have. Well, come to the Bike Lab. Almost every Saturday since 2004. 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Here in Northampton at 12 Northern Avenue. Come with your bike or your questions. And your willing attitude. Spare part scavenger hunt every weekend. Vengan al Bike Lab de Northampton, el taller de bicicleta. Aprende a arreglar tu bicicleta y a divertirte. All repairs guaranteed to the end of the driveway. Details are online at pedalpeople.coop. That's the Saturday Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue. They say freedom isn't free, but at the Bike Lab it is. And here's some Harry Chapin. In the little town of Canada, in the last year of my youth, I learned the final lesson of the levels to the truth. My father was a farmer, he'd go tilling in the ground. My mother was a neighbor, she'd go visiting around. But I didn't care, for I had found the answer to a plowboy's lonely prayer. She was the daughter of the mayor The mayor fought my courtship For he'd made other plans He saw her married to a better man Than the boy with farmer's hands I said, I hate your father It's so hard not to strike him She said, you know I love you Because you're so much like him And so I'd go sneaking in the evening And there she'd stand a-crying in the dawn as I was leaving The mayor of Candlelight When he offered me his only daughter The mayor of Candle tried To take her off across the water What a thing to do To a young man in love 
What a thing to do, dear daughter. One day with father on his tractor and mother off again, I go to find the mayor to work out what I can. But he is not at his office, he is not at his home. When I find him in the countryside, he is not alone. He's holding a woman, and imagine my surprise as she jumps back from his arms. I look into my mother's eyes, the mayor of Candlelight. All my thoughts of outrage, embarrassment, and pain were washed away by what then went roaring through my brain. How the mayor's at my mercy, and I hear my own. Say your run for re-election, sir, is one month away, and the world will never know of what I've seen here, sir. But I'll be with your daughter, is my meaning clear, sir? The mayor of Candlelight, when he offered me his only daughter, the mayor of Candlelight, to take her off. Cross the water, what a thing to do to a young man in love, and what a thing to do to your daughter. My mother looks in horror at this compromise we made, but the mayor's rueful smile said this piper must be paid. I had a month of joy in heaven from this deal I'd made in hell. What was to happen then, my friend? A prophet could not tell. The day that they return, I stand waiting in the road. I watch the car drive up. I watch the passengers unload. Of course she isn't there. Of course I should have known. The mayor says that she has stayed. The decision is her own. He says she's finishing her schooling on that unseen foreign shore. And I'll tell you very frankly, boy, you'll not see her anymore. The mayor of Candlelight, when he offered me his only daughter, the mayor of Candlelight, to take her off across the water. What a thing to do to a young man in love, and what a thing to do to your daughter. 
spit out my hatred and my fury at his lies. When he says you tried to blackmail me, you're just as bad as I. Go on and do your damnedest, boy. Throw your mother to the streets. You know it's been too many years. I've had to be discreet. And as he stands there saying we're just two of a kind, it hits me like a thunderbolt exploding in my mind. As I look into his leering, aged, wrinkled mirror of my own face, he laughs and sneers and says, Of course, dear son. Where do you think you came from in the first place? The mayor of Candlelight, when he offered me his only daughter, and the mayor of Candlelight to take her off across the water. What a thing to do! And that was Harry Chapin. Um, I started off today's show talking about storytelling, and so I wanted to play some songs that told the story, thinking I could learn something. Wow, that was a story. I actually did not know that song before I played it. That was pretty intense. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! coming up at 5 o'clock. I'm going to talk for a little while more now. Let's see. Something else going on in my life is that the housing co-op where I live, the Flo-op here in Florence, we've been searching for some housemates. Of course, we want the perfect housemates. The perfect housemates would be, oh, car-free and get along well with others and like it, like it cold except for by the wood stove and enjoy Things like splitting firewood and gardening and mm, biking, taking the bus, um, um, not work full time. So they had some time to en- uh, engage with the cooperative. They would like to cook dinner once a week for everybody and enjoy having other people cook them dinner other days of the week and be engaged in their community and and very, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, and not make any trash, <laughs> except for what they dumpstered. <laughs> um, we have an ad up on Craigslist. Rent is $505 per month, maybe less, depending on how many people are there, for a 10 by 11 room, which is pretty cheap in today's market, because now it's like people are paying eight, $900 just for a room in a shared house. Oof. Um, so in this search for housemates, we've been interviewing lots of people this week. I don't know, probably at least 10. And it's just really striking me how much isolation people are feeling, like people on the verge of houselessness or you know, struggling with housing stability, um, yearning for community, feeling... I just like like living with other housemates who are always on devices or wearing headphones or don't really want to engage and all this kind of like feeling isolated and not good support structures leading to like mental health crises on top of you know just housing stress of not knowing where not just not having that stability in your life oof I hope we can create a better world. <laughs> Oy vey. Um, This weekend is a Massachusetts Municipal Conference, I think, in Boston. My housemate Alex is there. He's um, he's uh, our city councilor, also city council president as of the beginning of January. Go, Alex. I think Alex is great in case you had any questions. Something else that I wanted to mention 
since it is the heart of winter right now and biking is a fun outdoor activity if you are able um i feel like most people who can bike in the summer can probably also bike in the winter some tips i'm here to offer some tips for me who has very poor circulation in the fingers and toes or, or traditionally had my pre-menopausal self did i think i'm doing a little better now uh, <clears throat> um, the key for me to winter biking is mittens and insulated overshoes my favorite the kind of mittens that really work for me are the leather choppers with wool inserts and if you're vegan and don't want to use animal products I I'm sorry for you like I don't I don't think eating animal products that much is like a necessarily a good thing but let me tell you they are an amazing thing like a pair of leather mittens they breathe and they cut the wind all at the same time and they're super durable any synthetic mittens or handwear that I've tried mm, it just wears out so fast and Mittens you can patch. You can take an old worn-out leather glove that you found on the side of the street and, and ripped up, the fingers ripped up. You can cut the palm out of it and patch your mittens again and again. So mittens, that's my first key for winter biking. And then overshoes. I like to wear, have, there's an overshoe company called Neo. Neo, they make Neos. Uh, it used to be called New England Overshoes when they were made in New England. Then they got bigger and bigger, and I think now they're all made in China. So they just call themselves Neos. Um, and those are really great. You can bike in them, walk in them. They keep out the snow, wind. It's just a big bulky layer. You can get the insulated kind or the uninsulated kind. You got to make sure they fit over your boots, though. So I would not recommend buying them online. I think they sell them at Sam's Outdoor in Hadley. And on occasion, I have found them in a thrift store. Actually, my current supply chain for Neos is when I have a coworker who uses them for rainproofing and then they get worn out a bit and they don't rainproof so much and maybe maybe the right boot's got a hole torn in it where the fabric where the boot passes the chain ring and the chain ring catches it and tears the fabric a little bit or the Velcro or rather tongue and loop fastener. Velcro is a brand name. But when the tongue and loop fastener gets worn out and they don't clothes as well then they can give them to me because I don't really need them for rain I just need them for warmth I just need them to have some bulk and block some wind anyway so that's my second key to winter biking mittens overshoes and a scarf a scarf that's real nice because you can wrap it around your neck when you first leave and then as you get warmed up when you're biking you can pull it off your neck without having to take off a helmet or something like that I should also say that most of my winter biking is going pretty slow, like hauling a trailer. And it's so much easier to bike in winter if you can go slow. Because um, if you go fast and work hard, and you start to sweat a little bit and have a lot of wind in your face. That is hard. Here's another key. I, if it's a cold winter morning, I'll smear my face with some kind of oil. Grease could be like shea butter uh could be i don't know coconut oil maybe um something that stays sort of solid at uh i don't know what kind of temperature something that you know that yeah something solid like that i haven't tried things like butter mm, i have enough other things around <laughs> whale blubber that's for really cold cold mornings and oh yeah and, and in the same way that smearing your face with grease will help you from getting wind chapped also just like don't wash your face in the morning you need your protective oils to protect you anytime I, if i wash my face or my hands before i leave in the morning that's just bad news i just feel exposed like the wind the cold just cuts right through my body parts so yeah save your precious natural protective oils and layers that's important and like a wind proof wind cutting layer it doesn't necessarily need to be wind proof because you want to you want to be able to let a little bit of wind in sometimes 
so you don't get too moist inside. And you want to try to not get moist inside. So you want to maybe not bike too hard. Um, or if you do bike hard and you start to sweat before you get to where you're going, let some wind in and try to have all your, your, your sweat and that moisture evaporated before you stop biking. Or else you'll stop. You'll cool down, you'll chill down, and your body will still be evaporating sweat and continuing to cool you. Um, yeah, don't stop. Sometimes I'll be, well, like if you're out for a long time. Like if I'm doing pedal people, and people are like, oh, it's cold outside. Do you want to come in and have some warm tea? I'm just like, no, I do not want to stop moving. Once I stop moving, my core temperature just plummets, and then I'm, I'm screwed. So just stay moving, stay moving gentle. And also what you eat can be helpful, like eating, drinking, circulatory promoting things like a, a good like warming tea with things like cinnamon and cloves and ginger and nutmeg and garlic and all those those kinds of warming spices, turmeric, mm, yum. And oh yeah, fat, fat's real good in winter. And, um, yeah, don't forget to drink enough water. That's a tricky one, though, because the more you drink, the more you're, if you're working outside, the more you drink. To be blunt, the more you're going to have to go pee and pull you on your pants where it's really cold. So I, I'm on the fence about the drinking one. And I don't wash my dishes. I don't wash my breakfast dishes with bare hands before I go. Like I said before, you don't want to wash off your oils. You don't want to get your hands wet before you go out the door on a bike ride. Mm, what else? Well, then there's things like how to dress your bike and how to maintain your bike and how to, how to ride. Uh, like how to dress your bike. That's things like fenders to keep salty slush off of you. And off of your bike also because that salt, ugh, the street salt, just eats up your bike and your fingers. My fingers crack like crazy, I think, because of that slush and street salt. Anyway, what else? Oh, yeah, you definitely want, like, a rack or basket or panniers of some kind so, you, so you're not carrying, like, a backpack on your back because that'll just make sweat. Also, lights. The daylight is so short. You want to make sure you got headlights and taillights. And used to, I think, until last spring, I believe, taillights were not legally required by Massachusetts law. You were just required to have uh, reflectors, rear, red rear reflector and pedal or ankle reflectors. But you are now required to have a taillight when riding after dark. Some people like to use studded tires. Now, if you're trying to get more exercise in the winter, studded tires are a great thing. If you got limited energy and are trying to be as efficient as possible, um, then you don't want studded tires. Because, heck, you could just slide all the way there. No, studded tires, if the streets aren't actually icy, studded tires cause quite a bit of rolling resistance. So me personally, I'm not a big fan of studded tires, partly because I don't have to commute at an hour when it's there's, like, black ice. And... <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Bike maintenance. If you ride in this salty slush, that salt will eat up your bike. So say if you ride one day and then you don't ride for a week, you come back to your bike and your chain, your chain's got like rust stalactites hanging off of it. That's what that salt will do on the chain, especially. And if you ride every day, then you keep things moving and and and. You break off those, you know, you keep it from rusting too much if you ride every day. But if you ride in the salt and then let your bike sit, mm, that's bad. So it's really good to rinse off your bike if you can. But a lot of people live in places where they just can't do that. So what are they going to do? Um, take their bike in the bathtub? Uh, landlord wouldn't like that. I'm not really sure. Sometimes, though, I'll wash off my bike... And if it doesn't have enough afternoon sun or a warm place to dry in, then, of course, you get ice in the cables, like the brake cables and the shifting cables. And 
then you leave the next morning and you can't squeeze your brakes because they're all iced up. But the worst is when you get ice in your free hub ratcheting mechanism. So say you ride on a day when it's kind of wet and, and, and sloppy and then things freeze overnight. And then you get on your bike the next morning and you try to pedal and your pedals go around and around. The chain goes around. The cogs in the back go around, but your wheel doesn't spin. <laughs> That's because you got frozen poles, ratcheting poles or something inside the, the free hubbing rat, ratcheting mechanism in your rear wheel. And the solution to that is to bring your rear wheel inside somewhere warm. I guess you could take a hair dryer out or something like that and, and, and heat it up. But usually I found if I bring my rear wheel inside by the wood stove just for, I don't know, 10 minutes, then usually the, the ratcheting mechanism on the cassette free hub will start to work again. Voila. Hmm. Well, you're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie. Thanks for listening today. Democracy Now! comes up at 5 o'clock. And I'd like to play one more song before we go out, but I don't have a full, I don't have the time for a full song. So I'll just play some noise. <laughs> 